Welcome to another episode of DTV. We're, we're really pleased today to have Jeffrey Moore, the best-selling author, speaker, and expert on digital transformation, and someone I've been privileged to get to know over a long period of time here. It's been a while. And um, can you continue to do great work <laughs> and uh, give us great insight. One of the things that a lot of people wrestle with, there's a lot of talk about digital transformation and a ton of different definitions that flow around. How do you define it, and why should people care about it? Yeah, so I think the big thing is somewhere in the beginning of this century, for the consumer market, we laid down this huge uh, digital footprint around cloud computing and mobile computing, yeah. and it just it completely changed the, the, the latency and the ease of interacting across both time and space. And all of our enterprise systems, they weren't set up to use that as the sort of the client front end. They were set up to use terminals and more, more static things. And so all of a sudden we realized, boy, we're, we're masters of the universe as consumers and we're sort of dweebs at work. We need to change that. And so the digital transformation, at least I think the first wave of it for sure, is to take what we call these systems of engagement and overlay them onto the enterprise architecture, which is, as you know, no trivial request. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge area of focus. Uh, Infostretch is very obsessed with kind of the customer, the customer journey and helping companies adopt to that. Uh, what are some of the best practices you're seeing as people try to take on board these systems of engagement? Because a lot of people really struggle with this. Well, first of all, they weren't designed to work with systems of record. I mean, so architecturally, it is, it is it's just a tough, tough ask. But in terms of the business process and the interaction with the customer or the partner or the employee, it's a game changer because you can you can interact in a way that we never could before, and so you can get better responsiveness, you can be a better service provider, you can be more intelligent about your product requirements. So it really, it's kind of become table stakes for the modern world. You're really not going to be allowed to not use the systems. And, and, and so once you do that, then you start to say, well, gosh, if I have these systems, shouldn't I re-engineer my processes to reflect more of what they're capable of doing? And that's the second wave of digital transformation, which is not the IT part, but actually the operational re-engineering. Well, I mean, you say operational re-engineering, it's not kind of back office, it's front office no, it, operational re-engineering. It's your customer-facing processes and your value delivery processes. So it, this is, yeah, this is not re-engineering IT. This is re-engineering the corporation, the enterprise, the public, the healthcare system, the educational system. Yeah. So one of the, it used to be that kind of technology was the province of the technologists and the CIO, and you'd go work out a very clever architecture, and you'd have a long-term strategy, and it was kind of all done by technologists. And now all of a sudden, you know, I, often it's a board-level conversation. Talk about that, because that's a big change in the world. Well, it sure is. We, the old IT, we would, used to say, was, a, was about the business. So it helped you record the business. It helped you think about it, analyze the business. But it wasn't the fabric of the business. Now it's the fabric of the business. So information technology and operational technology used to be fairly separate. Now they're interfused with each other. So now the board cares a great deal because this goes all the way up to their value proposition. Whatever my reason to be as an organization, it's got to be infused to the digital fabric so that it gets to my customers and my employees and my partners. So now all of a sudden we're caring about the value-bearing processes of the company, not just the information recording or manipulation capabilities of the company. 
So how do you, I mean, there's two communities that aren't used to working together, right? You can kind of, you know, kind of people choose their careers based on what they like working on. Right. And so you got to say people didn't want to work on technology because if they wanted to work on that, they would have chosen that career. Yes, yes. And you got to say people that chose technology because they didn't want to have to mess around with all of this other messy stuff. Yes, yes. So how do, you, how do these two groups interact? Because well, if they can't interact, well, you don't get a result. You don't. And at the polls, they don't interact. I mean, we know that there are geeky folks who, who do not interact well with other people, and we know there are people that are really good at interacting with other people that don't get technology at all. But what has happened is this group in the middle, this connective tissue. And, you know, we talk about Agile, we talk about Scrum teams, we talk about these cross-functional teams. And, and, it's a and by the way, it's a next-generation team often. It's digital natives, not digital immigrants. And I think everybody kind of gets that, that middle tier of pulling it all together is critical. And, and we're still exploring that. We're still discovering. And organizations are still trying to figure out how much power to transfer to that, to that group. But the truth is, if you don't transfer power to that group, you can't make the connections work. So give me some examples of people who have done this really well. Well, so the first thing, are the, the digital disruptors just did it brilliantly, but to be fair, they got to start with more or less a clean sheet of paper. Mm -hmm. So you, you look at the Amazons, the Ubers, the Airbnbs, everyone we always talk about. Uh, then you want to look at the second group, which is, but what, has anybody been able to graft it exactly. onto their existing thing? Now, I've spent a bunch of time with the folks at Microsoft. You say, well, they're, they're the disruptors. No, they're not. They were the disruptees. They, they were the client-server winners that now have to confront this whole news. And they have, no, by the way, their operating system doesn't work on any mobile device. Right. So it's a big change for them. But to, to their credit, what they did was they said, look, we have to own this. We have to be able to take our businesses offline one at a time, re-engineer for the future, and then bring them back online. So they did that with their software business with the cloud. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it now with the office business to, to bring that to the cloud. Interestingly, their operating system, I don't think, makes that turn. So I think they've taken their operating system assets and put them into either their, their office world or their cloud world and say, look, we're not going to have, we're not going to organize around Windows anymore as an anchor, as an anchor part of our business, which for Microsoft is kind of a remarkable thing. But that's the kind of changes that these things bring on. If you say, remember, we're in service to our customers, not in service to our balance sheet or not in service to our legacy, right. then you can get there. So when you look, you know, think about that, you know, being in service to your customer, how do you understand what that means? Because sometimes the customers change. Right, who you used to serve is now changing. It's a different kind of buyer, it's a different kind of user, it's a different kind of decision maker in this world. It is, and, and one of the questions, as an outsider, one of the questions I often ask management teams coming in is, when they're at one of these inflection points, where we always, for example, sold cars and now people say they just want to take Uber, or we always, you know, we were Tower Records, and now what the heck do we do with streaming, right. whatever it is. And, and so one of the questions we try to get people to ask is, what do you think the world wants you to be? Mm -hmm. so, so get off of, because you get trapped in these things and you look, start looking at your balance sheet and you start looking at the old margin model and you're trying to preserve a model that frankly the world will no longer support. You better get on a new mission. And I think particularly for the next generation, you know, a lot, and we talk a lot about the millennial workforce, they want to be in service to something, they, yeah. want, they want value. So I think that it, it aligns well with that, but it also aligns with what problem in the world am I going to commit my R&D to solve? And then I and go get it. And you have to pick a problem where there's a lot of trapped value, so that if you solve it, the world says, well, "We'd like to give you a lot of money. Right. Come and do that some more." And then when you're, you know, you you think about kind of best practices to do that. What are some some ideas? Because the challenge for people is how to bring their organization along with them. Because you know, you start to set these patterns once you get to a certain size company. 
And you have to, even if you're the CEO and you say you want to make a change, getting the whole organization to change and your processes, this is a big, a big challenge. It is a big deal. And, and, and I think it's important to realize that, that for a long time, the world also wants you to run your old business. So we have this new book called Zone to Win, and we talk about these zones. And the performance zone is really focused on saying, look, you have a, a commitment to run an existing asset in relatively conventional ways the way you always have. And you have productivity cost center functions that support that. You know, over time, you're going to have to migrate those functions to, to the new paradigm, but not all overnight. And so we, we talk about having an incubation zone where you're able to actually separate the new from the old, let the incubation zone develop its own best practices, not enslave it to the metrics of the performance zone, which right. people often do. And, and, then when the, and then when you scale it, bring it back into the performance zone. And that, of course, that scaling, we call it the transformation itself. That, that, that's a, a place where the CEO has to be a great leader because it stresses every system in the company. I mean, you're, you're kind of the, the first book I got to know of yours was Crossing the Chasm. And there is this interesting moment about how do you, how do you get things across the chasm. And that's what I kind of hear echoes of that totally. in this. So, so Crossing work. the Chasm was all about, look, the early adopters believe what you believe. They're on your side. Yep. They're working with you. But everybody else is kind of going, you know, what's in it for me? Right. And, and by the way, you look pretty new, and I'm not sure you're going to even be here. So that hesitation. So in the, in the zone to win thing or in any of this new digital transformation, it's the same problem except Crossing the Chasm was written for the point of view of a startup. So they had no place else to go. Right. I mean, you were either going to die in the chasm or get out, right? right? But if you're a large company, you can get halfway into these things and say, hey, you know, this, I don't like this one as well. I'm going to start and start it over again. You weaken your company every time you do that. But you can do it two or three or four or five or six times, and then eventually you have hollowed out your, your company. And that, unfortunately, is the common track record. I have this image, by the way, of someone riding up to a chasm on a horse and then getting to the edge and just pulling the reins back and saying, exactly. on second thought, we're not going to make this leap. Exactly. And, and you know, and, and to be fair, you know, so you say, well, can I walk around the chasm? Right. Is there, do you have any plane flights over the chasm? And the truth is there are ways you can compromise with digital disruption. You don't get the full value of it, but you can live to fight another day. And so sometimes management teams have to acknowledge, look, our team under this, with these investors in this situation, with our commitments, we're probably not teed up to do a a full on, you know, sort of heads heads down digital transformation. So at least what we ought to do is say, okay, well, so what are some no regrets moves we can make right now, and how can we increment? Eventually, you're going to have to f confront it, but now is not always the best time. Yeah, one of the challenges that we sometimes see when we work with our customers at InfoStretch is. This challenge that you as a company might be all bought into this, but you're into going into an ecosystem, especially if you're into healthcare, financial services, where there's a, a web of other parties that you interact with, and how to make sure those incentives are all aligned. It's really important. As you, those two are not uh, coincidentally regulated industries, right. as you, and you could take public, the public sector in general as a third. So in all of those ones, I think mission is the force that you have to find a way mm -hmm. to enlist. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, healthcare has a mission, and yeah. financial services has a mission, and, and certainly public sector has a mission, education has a mission. So if you can, if you can align with that, then I think you can get there. Uh, but it, it's got a lot of reengineering, and, and, and you know, we, we have this anxiety that, well, look, we, we have to, we, these regulations are here for a reason, uh, and so we, we can't be cavalier with them. We can't be the, well, I'll just be agile in you know, 2008. We have an agile financial moment, right? So you have to be careful. But, uh, but I think if you, if, you, if you do think about the mission, I think, I think that really does help. 
So there's an interesting, uh, you know, to build on that whole notion of mission, there's this idea that if you want to, if you want to kind of bring people along, you've got to kind of find a unifying principle and then work back to your current separation yeah. And, yeah. and break. Yeah. My experience with these changes, it's interesting, spending time with cultures, I've seen two kinds of cultures that do re better than others with digital transformation. One is driven by customer service, and they want to put right. themselves in service. The other is driven by fear of competitor. And so, but in either case, it's a force outside the company. What you re it's really hard to do is to go inside and try to align around internal things. There's just, there's, there's not enough shared energy, so it's really important to anchor yourself to something outside the corporation. I'm very much biased toward anchoring toward customer. Sure. But, but, uh, but there are very successful companies, Microsoft being a wonderful example, that really do anchor largely by virtue of competitor, and the competitor brings out their best qualities. Interesting. So kind of the, the two ways, that if, you're, uh, if you're in a company and you're trying to drive digital transformation, you're getting resistance, yeah. look for what's the, either the external threat or the customer opportunity, and that's the way to kind of rally your organization Absolutely. behind yeah. you. Absolutely. Interesting. And then, you know, in terms of, um, you know, ways to frame that and communicate it, are there any ways that you've, you've seen people do that better or worse? Because well, these are... Those are canonical approaches, but they're very—they're sometimes very hard to to, to get everyone yeah. to buy into what you're presenting them. Yeah, I think IDEO's IDEO's always talks about uh, that a company's culture is really a set of stories, a set of narratives, and so I think I think this telling the stories that, that embody your culture have the CEO and all the senior executives continually tell these kinds of stories because as you start telling these stories and celebrate and you celebrate the things that the the events that that are iconic with respect right. to that kind of a, a culture then I think people hear the stories and they say okay I, I get it I, I see what we're doing around here we tend sometimes in business to to go too much to the spreadsheet or too much to the org chart or too much to the you know requirements document and we leave narrative out, but narrative is what enlists the heart. It's, you know, by the way, I'm an English major, as you might know. <laughs> but but it, it's what enlists the heart. And if you don't tell those stories, it, it's hard to get people to, to put in that extra effort and lean in and, and make it successful. Well, you know, as, as chief customer officer, I'm a big fan of voice of the customer. And what struck me is literally having the voice of a customer, right? And interviewing some customers, and you kind of see this is the person we represent our mission for, yeah. from a healthcare, financial services, or for other industries, and you know, retail or, or hospitality. That can be a very galvanizing force, especially for an if, if especially if they tell a story, right? And the story just somehow captures in that one story something that they really value that you've done. Yeah, because that'll go through your organization like wildfire. Well, look, this has been incredibly insightful. That's fun. And uh, I always enjoy, enjoy talking to you, and I always learn, learn something more from every interaction. So I appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to come join us. If you are passionate about digital transformation and would like a chance to also uh, be broadcast, please email us at dtv at infostretch.com. We look forward to having you and look forward to you continuing uh, to, to view our great series of programs. Thank you very much.